<clears throat> but this is what's most important right now is that we're coming together as a family, learning about the relief efforts and what we can do to help each other and what our plans are going forward. And I wanna just show, show you a couple scriptures and exhort you and encourage you before you go today. Can I do that? Yeah. All right. I wanna remind you guys that this is a marathon, meaning that there's gonna be a lot of work for a long haul. Please don't let yourself fall into shame or condemnation about what you've been able to do or not been able to do. The lie of the enemy is to always tell you that you're not doing enough, always, spiritually. Uh, and yes, we can do more at times, but there's always this encouraging thing from a loving father that says, I believe in you. Pick yourself up and let's do what you can. And the good thing about the Lord is there's always a future. And so we don't live in the past, we live in the promises of God for our future. And so what I want to encourage you guys to do is do what you can. Everybody yeah. plays a part. Yeah. Everybody does. And some of you, you know, you're, you're moms. Some of you are single moms. School's been canceled for some people. And uh, you've not been able to do a lot of things. Some of you don't have the money or the time, but you can pray. So just pray. And you know what? Stop allowing yourself to succumb to fear, anxiety, worry, uh, feeling like you got to measure up, just that's not from the Lord, okay? Now, what I will tell you is do what you can do. Everybody plays a part. Everybody plays a part, okay? And if you can't do things during the week, there's always workers on the weekend. We're going to need work for a long time. And so uh, pick yourself up. Let's do this together. If you're hurting, if you need help, if you're in financial distress, please let us know. Okay, we'll do whatever we can to help you. And if money's coming in here, resources are coming in here, you have not because you ask not. I can't guarantee I can help everybody, but I'll sure try. Let me just tell you, I'll try. And if you need help, please do not, one, stay isolated. Number two, don't fall into shame. Number three, do not think that you're being a burden on somebody else. Because yeah. that's what the, the lie is, is that I don't want to... Everybody else has problems and everybody else is too busy, so I don't want to ask. Listen, you have not because you ask not. Don't be so prideful or have false humility that you don't ask. I cannot remember everybody's needs, but we've got an army to try to help and we're partnered with other churches too. This is where the church comes in to shine. So please, if you have a need, ask. Don't just assume we know. Don't think somebody should know because we don't always know. There's a million things happening. So ask if you need help, okay? Amen. Galatians 6.2. I really like this first word that says to bear one another's burdens. The word bear is such an, a powerful word because it actually means to take up with your hands. The first meaning of the word bear is to be the hands and feet of Jesus to help somebody else. And what it means is that when the weight is so strong on you that you can't help carry it yourself, it means that I come and lift it off of you and help you carry it. So the first day when the, 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 I found out that the coffee shop was destroyed, my first thought was, man, people lost their homes. I'm not gonna ask for help. But if we didn't get volunteers into the shop right away, that shop would have, the whole building would have been ruined and I had no help to get that stuff out. So I made a cry and a plea for help. And you know what? 
I had Leroy and Colton and Oscar and so many people from our own family come in and one day they gutted out that whole shop because I needed the help. I couldn't carry the weight on my own. And that's why I even know that I can't do it by myself. And so you need each other. You need people to help you. And we need to bear another's burdens. And that word burden isn't just a little weight. It's a weight that's too heavy for you to carry on your own, okay? So we lift up with our own hands and we help carry the weight when somebody else can't carry it. Look at this scripture, Romans chapter 15. I've taught on this before and I really love this and I live by this scripture. There's two types of people in this scripture. There's the weak people and there's the strong people. And sometimes you're the weak person and sometimes you're the strong person. We don't need false humility and pride. What we need is people that can pull somebody up when they can't get themselves up because God helps those that can't help themselves. And you need to not be prideful and you need to not think that, well, everybody else has their own problems. They don't need to be burdened with mine. I'm showing you the scripture that says, sometimes you're the weak one, sometimes you're the strong one. And from the very beginning of the start of this church, stand up, Randy, stand up, Randy. My logo of this church is this. It's a handshake. But it's a handshake where we're grabbing each other's wrist because now he feels my pulse and I feel his and now we become unified as one and if he were falling off a cliff, this is the hardest handshake to break. This is from day one. That's who we are. And so the point I'm trying to tell you is is one, if you're weak and you're broken, let somebody pull you up. But number two, let's become strong to pull somebody else up because the word scruples is an odd word that we don't use in our everyday vernacular. But the word scruples means your, your sin, your infirmity, your burden, your heavy weight. It means every single thing that's bearing down upon you and you feel like you can't sustain it and carry it and you're gonna sink and you're gonna be buried. And in a lot of ways right now, in the natural, it looks like I'm gonna sink and be buried. Had I not been through this so many times, I might be feeling like I'm gonna be sunk and buried. But I've come through it so many times that now I'm just gotta laugh and I gotta sleep. Many people say, I don't know how you do it. They say to me, I don't know how you carry. I went to the storage place the other day here in the bluff and, he, and I started telling him, he's like, I don't know, how do you do it? I'm like, well, I'm sure in the world not gonna stress and worry about it because that's not gonna do me any good. And I got a family. I have people around me, I can't do it alone. And when you know you're not alone, man, it's a good feeling, right? And so we have to be strong to bear the weaknesses of others and the struggles and the challenges, not for ourselves. It's not about pleasing myself. I'm not serving coffee every day to please myself. I'm doing it because I know what it's like to be volunteering and working hard and you don't have much of anything or to have lost everything and to walk up and somebody gives you... I mean, Jesus said a cup of water, but I kind of changed it to a cup of coffee. <laughs> There's water in the coffee. I mean, it, look, some of you aren't coffee drinkers, but for those that are, you know, it's a joyous little thing. It's a little piece of happiness. You know, and people are bringing out brisket and, and food, and we're just doing all we can to help. And that's the best you can do. It's not about us. It's about helping others. And what the Lord does is when you make it about others, you know what he does? He gives you the resources you need. He rewards you. And there is a reward. And I'm not doing this for my crown in heaven. I'm not doing this for another feather in my cap. 
I'm doing this because I love people. I already know that the Lord's going to take care of me when I make my priority other people. Make it your priority. Go love your neighbor and love really well and let's bear the burdens of those that can't. Our president declared today a national day of prayer. Today, September 3rd. It's a lot of threes. It's four threes, exactly. Three times three is nine and three. You know I'm into threes because three is so powerful. Three is the picture of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit united together as one, the Trinity, because God's into unity and he's into oneness. In fact, Psalm 133, verse three says that the Lord commanded life from Mount Zion, the promises and the blessings of God, and it all came out of verse one, which was unity. How good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. From the head, from Christ comes to the body, down the, down the garment, which were his body, his hands, his feet, comes an anointing to command life and a blessing for every more. I live in 1333. That's our house number. It was a promise from God. And so what I'm telling you is today's a very special day, and I want to briefly just tell you something about prayer, okay? I want to leave you with this, because if you don't understand a lifestyle of prayer, supplication, intercession, and thanksgiving, if you don't live that lifestyle first before anything else, you'll fall prey to anxiety, fear, worry, doing it in your own strength, hopelessness. That's why it just so happened to work out the other day. Mark, we had to unload equipment into storage and then I had this epiphany, let's not keep it in storage. Let's send it to the restaurant supply place to see if it can be salvaged. So we unloaded it and then we loaded it and then we sent Mark's wife, Tina, to the Mission Restaurant Supply. And so Mark jumped in with me to go out to Port Aransas and on the way, we pulled over under the bridge to spend an hour with the Lord. Because what matters more than anything is that you are first full and strengthened so that yes. you can bring life to others. Yes. What good is it if I'm freaked out, worried, anxious, nervous, and empty? Yeah. What kind of leader would I be or would you be when you're at your end? And sometimes you are, so let us pull you up to get you strong so you can go be leaders for other people. And it's okay if you're at your end because everybody was there once. Yeah. Everybody was at their end once, I promise you. Yeah. And if you're there, you let somebody pull you up so you can get strong to go pull somebody else up. And we spent time with the Lord. And what I want you to understand before you go today, because this is what matters the most. Yes, we got to get out there and serve. Yes, we need to bring hope and life and clean out houses and serve and do all. And we're going to. But I want to show you something really powerful. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. The word exhort is the word parakaleo in the Greek. And it means to come alongside, to comfort and bring strength and to build up and to edify. That's what it means. It's a building term. It means like the Holy Spirit is coming alongside of us to instruct us, to teach us, and to comfort us, and to build us up. We do that for each other. And so Paul is saying to his spiritual son, I'm exhorting you to do something. So me as your pastor, I'm exhorting you to do something today. Because you've got to get the main thing, the main thing in the midst of all of this now more than ever. And here's what he says. I exhort you, first of all, that all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for who? All men. Who? All, men. all is all. All is everybody. And so what we're being exhorted and challenged to do, and what I'm challenging you to do, is to first have supplications. Now, supplications is a word not a lot of people know. 
The word supplication means to come into agreement and to have an entreaty or to entreat the Lord. It means to stand in the promises and the covenant promises of God for one another and to declare them over God's people. It means that you're praying the promises of God over someone. I'm coming into agreement. I'm entreating, which the root word of entreat is to strike a treaty. Well, the Lord's already made covenant. He's already made a promise. So now what you do is you come into agreement with the biblical promises of God in how you pray. Because a lot of people don't know how to pray, sadly. So start praying the Bible. Start praying the promises of God. Start declaring life. That's supplications. I'm coming to agreement. I'm inquiring from God for the answers that I need for earth. That's what I'm doing. The second thing is, is of course, to pray. So many people really don't know how to pray. The Lord's prayer is a model of prayer, not designed to be a repetition of prayer where you just say it as it is over and over again. It's a model. First starts identity, sonship, our father. Then starts worship. Everything's got to come out of worship. Crank up some worship music in your car, pull over on the side of the road in the midst. Can you imagine in the midst of destruction, you're worshiping? That just in the natural makes no sense. I'm thanking God. In the midst of what's happening, I'm not thanking him for it, by the way. I'm thanking him in the midst of it, right? And so prayer, most people's prayer life is just asking God for something, right? I ask people, how do you pray? Well, I ask the Lord for this and I ask the Lord for that. I said, well, you're only half praying because prayer is two-way communication. Prayer is also listening. It's communing with the Lord. So what good is it if you're doing all the talking? I've learned this the hard way because I talk a lot. What good is it if you're doing all the talking and you're not listening? In fact, my prayer life as I've matured over the years has become more a contemplative listening, letting the Lord, asking and inquiring and letting God speak to me. Because when you hear God's voice, it changes your life. So you're communing. And then intercession, the word intercession means to, to stand in the gap and to have an interview or a conversation with the Lord about somebody else. So now I, so it's like this. Stand up, Randy. Let's say Randy's full of hopelessness and despair and just the worst of the worst. So now I'm gonna pray for him. So I'm gonna intercede for him. So I go to the Lord. I say, Lord, what do you, what do you wanna do in Randy's life? Instead of me coming up with a manipulative, controlling what I think he needs, now I come to the Lord. I say, Lord, talk to me about Randy. And the Lord begins to show me things and I begin to pray I asked the Lord on his behalf, and now I'm standing in the gap for him, and here's what usually happens. Because I say, I'm gonna pray for you, bro. I'm gonna pray for you, have a nice day. And then I pray, Lord, just bless Randy, just touch him, strengthen him, blah, 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 blah. But now, in an intercession, I'm saying, Lord, talk to me about Randy, and as the Lord begins to speak to me, he gives me an answer of how to help him. Now I become the answer for him because I inquired of the Lord what he needs. You see how that works? Have a seat. And then the next thing I want to show you is gratitude. Everything has to be done with thankfulness. You've got to have an attitude of gratitude in how you live your life, especially for verse two. Now, this is a real divisive statement in our nation, especially with how divided we are. Politic- people can be politically and racially, sadly, which I hate it. To no end, I hate it. We're supposed to be praying for all those and making intercession, supplication with gratitude, even for our president, 
Even if people don't like him or we're in disagreement, the point is biblically, we're supposed to be praying for anybody, anybody that's an authority in leadership. And I'm gonna tell you why. Because when you do, it brings a quiet. Now, quiet does not mean private. The word quiet here actually means to live a tranquil, peaceable lifestyle. And what happens is, is now when I start praying for people, and the scripture goes on to talk about how God wants all men to come to the knowledge of him. So we start praying and interceding for people to come to know him because that's the real answer. If you want to solve the racial divide in this nation, we've got to pray because racism is a spiritual issue and you can't legislate a spiritual issue. You can only get people born again to get us united together as one despite our, our ethnic bath- backgrounds, Right? Come on. And so when God transforms people's lives, what happens is, is peace, the reward that you get is a tranquil, peaceable life with godliness and reverence. Right? Isn't that awesome? And I'm going to leave you with this. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. How often are we supposed to rejoice? When your bank account says negative, what are you supposed to do? Doesn't make any sense, does it? Always means always. I'm just telling you always means always because what happens is is when you have the joy of the Lord in your life, when you learn how to have a resilience inside of you no matter what you're facing or a trust in the Lord, when I'm rejoicing in Him, not just at Christmas time, but all the time, when I've got my hope and my strength in Him, God then gives me the answers of how to solve the problem. And sometimes it means stop your spending patterns, Sometimes it means manage your money better, whatever it is. But the point is, is you've got a resilience inside of you. And two times we're supposed to rejoice in every situation, the scripture says. Then it goes on to say to be gentle. I won't break that down, but I love what it means. Gentle is not a sissy. Gentle is not passive. Gentle means that I'm equitable and fair. And I treat everybody with equitableness and fairness, no matter who they are no matter what they believe at all times. And then this is what I really wanted you to see and leave you with before you go today. Verse six, anxiety will kill you. I'm just telling you, anxiety will kill you. Be anxious for not one single thing. Anxiety means to be troubled with the cares of this world, self-promoting, constantly on the lookout for yourself, always taking thought about your problems. (laughs) Then you can't sleep at night. And then you're tossing and turning all night long because you have anxiety and you're worried and you're afraid. In the natural, your circumstance could point to something that you should be anxious about. But if you can learn, nothing means nothing. Do not be anxious about that. Trust the Lord. And in everything, by prayer, supplication, and there's that word again, Thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And here's what happens. Verse seven, the peace of God will guard your heart. The peace which passes all understanding guards your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. And I love this word guard because this word guard is a militant term. It means that the Lord sets up a military garrison that prevents hostile invasion in your head. This is how you resolve mental illness. Seriously, get, get into the presence of the Lord in the secret place, hear his voice, pray, commune with him, 
Learn what it means to now pray for other people, stand in the gap, have an attitude of gratitude, and now the Lord comes in like a military fortress and he guards two things. My heart and my mind. And it's peace. People say, how can you have peace in the midst of what you're facing? Because the Lord's guarding my heart. And that military term of guard means that he protects you so much that when you would want a cave or flight, you don't. It actually keeps you from flying, meaning fight or flight. So, So instead of a flight mentality, now I have so much peace, I stay in the fight. That's the military garrison of the Lord that watches after your heart and your mind. Isn't that awesome? So I hope that brought strength and comfort to somebody right now because you can have peace in the midst of the storm and the Lord can watch over you. Go spend time with Jesus and hear his voice. Listen to him and he'll give you a peace and a resilience and a strength in the midst of all of this and start praying for leaders, government officials, city councils, mayors. Pray for them. Pray for them. Let's not be divided. Let's be united in the midst of a difficult time. Let's all stand.